you recovered from the bitter disappointment? Ollie out. He was found out, wasn't he? <laughs> Just get it straight out there. Uh, there are actually surprisingly few Mourinho flat earthers out there. I expected there to be more. Well, you know what's interesting about this is I had a little peruse of your Twitter timeline, um, which I do to amuse myself from time to time. And you talk a lot about Mourinho on Twitter. And I was thinking, is this because you're constantly exposed to Mourinho truthers? Or is it because you're trying to win an argument that is over, but it's hard not to keep proving how right we were about him in the aftermath because I relate to that that's not a criticism at all I relate to that feeling yeah actually I do have this in the back of my mind that I should not mention his name every third tweet so (laughs) I'm trying not to do that (laughs) but it's hard though isn't it it's there's something about I, I think he set this club back two or three years I mean thinking about last night's game against Paris Saint Germain I'm not quite sure what order you want to talk about it. Whatever you like, let's in. do that but, first. But anyway, I like just thinking about it and I wasn't sure going I mean, I think my general position is United need four recruits in the summer, maybe five, uh, given Luke Shaw at left back. And you know, certainly need some cover there, if not a uh, a direct replacement or competition, one of one of them. So four or five. And a lot of that's down to poor recruitment under Mourinho, which we now know he was absolutely insistent on uh, and, in fact, was held back by the club, um, who, for different reasons, uh, we we are justified in criticising, but was held back uh, from his true plan, which was basically to stuff the club full of Alexis Sanchez's, you know, <laughs> like 25 of them. Yeah. Anyway, just wait, so I just, just, that's what my one rant. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Let, let's talk about Fulham because that was fun. And then we can get on to the minor disaster of Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, you, that, you, went, you went to Fulham, as did many people. Um, uh, one, one of everyone's favourite grounds. I haven't been for a few years, but uh, I do love Craven Cottage. Go, tell yeah. us what it was like. I mean, everyone's, I'm sure, seen all the videos and heard everyone talk about it. You might hear some scratchiness in my voice, even though it's Wednesday and that was Saturday afternoon, Saturday lunchtime. It was over by half two. I still can't quite talk properly um, because of having wrecked my voice so badly singing the Ollie song for an insanely long time at an insane volume. Um, It was absolutely amazing. Like, the game... As has been widely discussed, United coughed up some big chances in that game, particularly early on, and then that one that Babel hilariously missed uh, late on once we were really yep. comfortable. Um, but it didn't really feel like that. It didn't feel like United were in jeopardy after about five minutes into that game. And certainly once Pogba... I mean, the, the, Pogba and Martial both scored their, their goals from open play at the United end the Putney Road end, as Chris Morling gave a very specific shout out to on Instagram. Uh, he obviously likes Craven Cottage too. Um, but, you know, both those goals were scored at that end and they created a, this incredibly celebratory atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was just such a deeply, profoundly enjoyable experience. And, you know, it was a, a routine win against the side second bottom from the league. It wasn't about that. It was about how fun it was to watch United play like that with players that can play like that and how fun it was to just be in a position where you can kind of unconditionally love and enjoy your club's performance. Yeah, and I think that's all fair. And you could see that in the very large away support fully enjoying their time at Craven Cottage and celebrating this team and celebrating the manager. I mean... In terms of the actual game, yes, United uh, did uh, did get a bit fortunate that Fulham weren't able to put away their two good chances. Um, actually, Fulham had more possession, made more passes, made more passes in the final third, made more <laughs> ball recoveries, made more tackles, made more interceptions. I mean, you know, this is a game not told in the data uh, because if you only saw the data, you wouldn't believe what had actually happened. But what has actually happened is that United uh, produced a kind of performance that has become almost routine. Uh, I say almost because we'll get to PSG, but almost routine under Oli, which is yeah, 
really, really efficient on the break uh, and and much more efficient taking chances. They do push players, a lot of players forward uh, in, in a way that hadn't happened earlier in the season. Uh, and they get rewards for it, bigger rewards in this case. Yeah. And, and the rewards came in the form of some really, really remarkable individual play. So the Pogba goal, the Pogba goal in the moment, it looked unbelievable, but you wouldn't have been surprised to see a replay and it had taken a massive deflection or something. But it didn't. He just rifled it from a ridiculous angle because he saw that the keeper was... I mean, I saw people being very critical of the keeper. Fair I enough. Think I, think, I think it's fair to be critical. I mean, it's very difficult to legislate for someone who can hit, kick a ball at that speed, at that with that ferocity at that angle. Like, I, I mean, he... The keeper was was a half a step out of position to try and block a cross, no? Nah, I mean, uh, he should be very near to that post and should be able to react. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, I like it. I, I, what's the XG on that? 0.01? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, I'm that, sure it's fair. From, from that angle, sure yeah. Tiny, so, yeah. Um, the keeper's got to save that. I, I, I think most youth team keepers would save that. But it's uh, still, I you mean, know, Pogba's hit it incredibly cleanly. Yeah, and the reason the keeper couldn't save it wasn't because he didn't react quickly enough. It's because the ball went so fast and he was half a step out of position to start with. No? Um, anyway, the keeper certainly was not at fault for the second goal, which was a genuinely breathtaking, amazing bit of football. Didn't quite realise at the time how spectacular it was because it all kind of happened really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and just suddenly aware of Martial with the ball in our half, and he beats one man and one man sort of falls over. He kind of holds one off um, and then just tucked it. And it was, but then you see it on the, on the replay and uh, there's a Phil Jones assist, <laughs> which is like uh, just a one ball out to Martial in yeah. deep in his own half. I, I think there needs to be a refinement of the assist law <laughs> or something yes. like, it's not law, but you know, law, <laughs> as law. in L-O-R-E. Yeah, you, you, um, go to, the, you go to prison if you don't give Phil Jones that assist. Yeah, no, he gets point two of an assist for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it was it was in, an incredible piece of skill and, and one of the reasons why United signed him up for another five years, obviously, and we all know he can do that and we want him to do it more. I mean, he's always got that in the locker, but, uh, you know, he doesn't always put the constituent parts together. He's part of this game that he needs to develop. Um, You you know, the one caveat would be there were some really powder puff tackles. I mean, this this is why Fulham concedes so many goals, I guess. Are Uh, you saying that we need Anthony Martial to score more goals that he's dribbled from his own half? No, no, no. Is that that your frustration (laughs) with him? It's outrageous. He's all the, make all this money and don't dribble a ball from halfway. No, no, he's a beautiful finisher and he's a beautiful dribbler and uh, you want him to put those all together in the game. (laughs) He doesn't have to be all at the same time, but obviously (laughs) he's going to score one of those every week, fine. Uh, yeah, but uh, I wouldn't expect that of him. But uh, yeah, you know, pretty pretty sloppy defensively, um, as the one caveat to the greatness of the goal. But uh, you know, it was beautiful. It's beautiful to see. Um, shame, yeah, real shame. He couldn't get into the PSG game. But uh, but there was more to come from United. Uh, from uh, from the penalty spot, I think fair enough. Foul on Matter. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, that sounds so. right. I've only only seen the replay once. But it was a. F- a f- Foul! I'm doing. I'm doing finger guns, finger quotes. Yeah, it soft. was a, foul, a, a terrible foul on the innocent victim, Juan Mata. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's easy to knock over, isn't he? So there was because um, he's he's diddy and uh, Bogba scored and only taking like five or six steps rather than the forty eight that he normally takes on these penalties. Maybe he's like calming that down a little bit. The funny thing was. Everyone like so the Oli chant. This is when the Oli chant was really going. So obviously, like, in the first half, it kind of went and faded, and there was lots of chants and all that, and big Tony Marshall chants and everything you would expect. And then, but then that Oli's at the wheel thing hit in the second half, and it just went and went and went until half the end were literally jumping up and down. Then we got a penalty while that was going on. The chant just carries on all the way through the run up. Like there's a cheer when we get a penalty, back to the chant, until Pog was scored, and then there's a little cheer again, and then back to the chant again. I was with a friend of the show, Simon Stevens, who said he genuinely thought the chant wasn't going to stop when the ball went in the back of the net. No one was going to cheer. Everyone was just going to keep singing because that's that's what it felt like. Um, but it was it was yeah, it was just brilliant fun. And then after the game, 
when when everyone was coming over and doing the classic waves at the end um that song just got sung until people were spilling out outside back onto that bit you know behind the stand at Craven Cottage and it was just such a kind of just pure joy you know I guess partly there was a bit of anticipation for PSG in that and generally I think it was just another example of the the kind of release and and gratification of being able to really really fall in love with the club again yeah uh I mean I guess the kind of routine win that United should be getting yep uh, and now generally are Yep. Burnley aside, um, yeah, uh, and just just the routine win needed a part of in uh, three weeks' time. Then. <laughs> so uh, a very very different atmosphere in terms of like it was very quiet. I thought Old Trafford for yeah. a lot of that game, surprisingly. Yeah. So I was not expecting that. Um, I wasn't there, but that's what it sounded like on telly. And um, just uh, I mean, in essence, I thought United were extremely nervy in the first half and then killed by the injuries in terms of the second. Yeah, nervy, sloppy. Um, I, I, you know, I guess Oli talked about the lack of experience in the team and I, I guess that's true to an extent. I mean, certainly players like Lingard and Rashford, um, Martial to some extent, haven't played an awful lot of Champions League football, or at least not these big games on big nights, knockout footballs. So who has? Who's in that side who's played a lot of big games? Pogba, obviously. Pogba, David De Gea has been has long enough. Has he? He's how been many, long enough many? the club that he's he played under Fergie, didn't he? Yeah, but so so he played against Real Madrid in that season and Bayern Munich. So he's done it probably twice, played a big team at yeah, Old Trafford yeah. in Europe. I guess so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it's... Uh, it's a it's a commentary on the extent to which United have fallen over the last yeah. five six years. So, but, I mean, I, I yes, fair enough. Don't know if that's entirely fair. And and Solskjaer has done a very good job of, of protecting his players. There, I I do think some of the bigger names didn't quite turn up, you know, as we wanted them to. Uh, and the injuries certainly impacted on United. I mean, it was a reasonably even first half, wasn't it? I mean, certainly Very United weren't able to um, really put any pa- attacking patterns together. It really didn't create anything in the final third. I mean, throughout the whole game, but first half too. Um, we reduced the shooting from longer range. Uh, it broke down far too easily. They weren't able to get uh, Antony Martial into the game at all. Uh, pretty ineffective from fullback, and they were always subject to PSG breaking. But I mean, basically had no no defence against PSG breaking fast um, during the first half. And then after the break, I mean, obviously the two injuries have disrupted the game plan significant, significantly. Oli's game plan is based on speed and attack, so speed of transition, and that was definitely impacted. I thought we made a mistake um, because uh, I think think Lukaku should have come on on the right-hand side rather than Matter because it would have kept uh, the full-back, Burnett, back. And and it might have, you know, it, I don't know that it would have made a big difference. Who knows? Um, but it would have at least given PSG some more to think about. I, I kind of felt that once they had the confidence that um, they had Rashford under control, 2v1, uh, and that United weren't going to turn them around in fullback areas, that they could push 15 foot yards further up the pitch. And they really did. And they just compressed um, United much, much more. I, I'd have been tempted to just go a bit longer, you know, bypass the... Uh, bypass. Not, no, I'm not saying hoofball, but just bypass the midfield occasionally just to give them something else to think about. So that was mistake one. Obviously, Alexis put in just an awful, awful performance on the other just so bad I barely I don't think I've ever seen him that bad and he's been that he's been pretty bad for United but everything bounced off his shins um, and and United just weren't able to stamp any authority in midfield so I mean in, in the end beaten by a much better team uh, but just with a few little question marks perhaps perhaps the first time that Ollie's made a couple of little mistakes in his time at United so I think my analysis is quite different to yours in in a number of different ways. I think the first thing I would say is you're saying like a, almost kind of implying that a lot of players in that team have had big game Champions League experience or a, a, like a, a substantial amount and that 
almost the inexperience shouldn't have been. I, I didn't know that Solskjaer had mentioned an experience. It was something that I'd thought myself and it, it really jumped out at me. Because I think if you go through the team, De Gea, let's say, has had a bit, but not very much. Um, I mean, they've played at World Cups and stuff and they, they've got big game experience, but the sort of specifics of this kind of environment of, you know, a big European night at their club, well, obviously, like neither Lindelof nor Bailly have experienced that given the level that they played at and the expectations on them at that level. Young, um, I don't, did he play against Real Madrid? I can't remember. Um, but he, he certainly hasn't got a wealth of that kind of experience and probably literally none at fullback. Uh, Luke Shaw obviously doesn't have any. Herrera played for Bilbao in some big European games and some very successful European games, but, you know, always as a kind of underdog and not in that environment. And I think probably, I don't actually know about how much Matic played in big games for Chelsea, but let's say he and Pogba have both got substantial experience on that, on that front. And then um, none of the front three have. So that that's a a massive deficit in experience. And and that was the thing that really showed, I thought, really was the story of that first half because really the problem in the first half wasn't structural, it wasn't systemic, it wasn't tactical. It was about execution in the final third. And I think you can kind of maybe um, ask some questions about Solskjaer in terms of of the state that the team were in emotionally when they were, you know, in that first half, because there was just so many overhit passes, people trying too hard, just there's generally a lack of kind of composure. Um, a few people have said this, um, including friend of the show, uh, Ryan Lockwood, who emailed about it, that it kind of was reminiscent of United's early forays in Europe under Ferguson. Um, and and that's kind of what I thought. And then I... I think he should have brought on Lukaku for San- instead of Sanchez because even though, yeah, you know, uh, he would have, they could have both pinned back the fullbacks, Matter at least is like a functionally competent footballer and Sanchez is just completely shattered into a million pieces. So I think while that, I kind of see what you're saying about tiny tactical balance, I feel like the, the, the insane drop-off in quality of having Sanchez on the pitch was was really telling. Yeah, it was. I I think it would still cause United all sorts of tactical problems. Um, putting Lukaku on somewhere, where do where would he have gone? Left hand side, or, mm. or, or are we dropping Rashford into midfield? So, um, yeah, I no, take no, the point about wait, the inexperience. But anything say, else... we, did you say are we dropping Rashford into midfield? Yeah. No, no, like no, we're not dropping. Not suggesting you know you could have played Lukaku right matter like dropping off centrally and Rashford on the left and play Matter as a kind of false nine or, you know, in that Lingard role. I'm not saying that would be a great solution, but, you know. I'm yeah, not, so I'm, removing Rashford from the centre-forward position. So, yeah, I, I, yeah I but know. okay. It but, doesn't, it doesn't okay. look like, wait, like they're getting in the weeds here, but I just don't think that looks balanced to me and probably would have been even worse. Just my opinion. Um, like the no, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think it would have been even worse than not have Alexis Sanchez on the pitch. Like, uh, there's no way we could have been. You play play Lukaku wide left, and we look better than with Alexis Sanchez on the pitch. Yeah, and you have two people running at United's right hand side fullback, which was one of the weakest points. Anyway, I want to have a go at some a few other players before, um, you know, we can move on from this uh, debate because it's mm-hmm. uh, kind of pointless. I think since it's already gone, um, Young. Was truly dreadful and, and so bad, and not, not not just you know he's so bad uh, in very obvious ways. In, it wasn't any kind of outlet outlet for United in an attacking sense, and and got turned repeatedly, um, just ripped a new one constantly. But also just positionally all over the place. I mean, he's just not helping out um, his uh, uh, player on the right hand side, whether that was Lingard. Um, or um, or matter, you know, or Rashford as it often was. Or Rashford, um, yeah, certainly early Rashford dropped into the right hand side, uh, just caused all sorts of problems for United. So you know, really bad day at the office for Young. Obviously, one of the positions that United have to strengthen in the summer, no matter how how good Dalot might become, it would be completely negligent to not buy. And talk of. Um, 
offering Ashley Young a new contract is somewhat worrying. He's, he signed. No, he signed. Signed. It. Oh, he signed. He signed a year extension. One year extension. Yeah, yeah. not two years though, and I, I think that's fine so long as he's not. First choice, if we play Real Madrid or Paris Saint-Germain, the knockout stages of the Champions League yeah, like yeah. next season. Yeah, I mean, there's, been... a, there's a d- debate to be had about whether the club now believes that, given Oli has stabilised things, they really need to invest at the kind of levels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some irony in that, isn't there? Um, uh, Mourinho I mean, that's... gets sacked for doing an awful job and, and demanding, giving them a hard time demanding gazillions in the transfer market. Ali comes in, stabilises things. United win enough games to qualify for the Champions League next season. Club decide they don't really need to spunk 200 million pounds in the transfer market. Much better to go into dividends for the Glazer family. I um, I heard uh, on the Second Captain's podcast, I think it was Dion Funning, the Irish journalist, say something like, um, well, one of the problems is, of course, who will, would Solskjaer be a bit too acquiescent sat in the boardroom opposite the Glazers if they said they didn't want to spend too much money I'm like, or compared to someone like Pochettino? I'm like, sorry, did you just say compared to... Pochettino, Can we, do you want, I mean, how's he doing at forcing his board to spend money? The literal <laughs> zero pounds they've spent in the last 18 calendar months. Yeah, so Young, really, really bad, clearly needs replacing. On the opposite side, Luke Shaw, I mean, clearly not as bad. Uh, I think the, I the, played- the the worrying thing about, I mean, certainly not as bad defensively at all. I mean, it was just much more secure than his side. And the worrying thing is that he just, he's not offering enough going forward. And I, I, I we had this debate, didn't we, last week where... Uh, it looked like that, and he'd put up good numbers. He definitely didn't put up good numbers against Paris Saint Germain, and so he did look good. He did look good against Fulham, I know. Yeah, like and he's got all the tools, level, right? And you just want him to put them all together. But in his four years at the club, he's rarely done that. And now he's in the team and fit and playing every week. There are no excuses, really, but, are there? But I mean, let's like if we leave the PSG game aside, so obviously that's important, but. It's quite a specific challenge. He has actually, and you know, I know I've been like on my little is Luke Shaw good agenda recently, but he has been putting up the numbers, hasn't he? Recently, he has been. Yeah, yeah. Contributing so, so in but that it, way. The, the question is, you know, is it is it big enough? Is it uh, yeah, Champions yeah. League winning, winning or league winning big enough? And I'm not sure about that one. Certainly, some competition in that spot, some high quality competition, is what top clubs tend to have. Yeah. So, what, um, and and what, right now his competition is Matteo Damian, <laughs> Di- Diogo <laughs> Dalot, who can't really yeah. play there, as we've seen when he played there, he was cutting inside all the time, or Ashley Young, right? So it's yeah. not proper, proper competition. So some competition needed there. Definitely. Matic, I mean, I know I say this every week, I don't have an agenda. Um, for me, it's um, it's impossible that Matic plays in a title-winning United midfield. Just impossible. He's so far gone. I, I did a thing for ESPN uh, the other night before the PSG game, previewing the Liverpool game with um, someone from the Anfield Rap. And <laughs> we got to talking about Matic and... Uh, and, you know, he was having a laugh about Matic and saying how bad he was and built like a tank, turns like a tank. Well, he's not built like a tank, is he? He just turns like one. You know, it's uh, it it's just embarrassing, honestly. Uh, how Chelsea duped United into spending £40 million on this guy. I mean, they knew. They knew. They knew he was done. And everyone's going, well, why did they sell him? Because he was done. That's why. And I mean, he's been fine to good in the games where we where he's not under any pressure. And, you know, this is a point you observed, isn't it, that actually Mourinho was kind of hanging him out to dry too by not giving him anyone ahead of him to give him any kind of help. And and so I I, I think we could certainly have him play two-thirds of the games in a league season oh, yeah. and win the and league. He, and he theory. looked good against Fulham, didn't he? He looked good yeah, when absolutely. he's on the ball and he has time and he can pass it around. He's very nice on the ball. And um, he he doesn't get people running past him because a team like Fulham is not going to commit that many players. That's yeah. all right. But PSG was a whole different story. Uh, in in a kind of more positive note, I thought Ander Herrera acquitted himself really impressively against PSG, and he was absolutely superb against Fulham. Just to hear there and everywhere. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, and that's what we that want, having... want from Ander, isn't it? So yeah. Um, and then Pogba couldn't couldn't. Um, 
Yeah, and it's like there's no super criticism of Pogba, but no. it's it's that kind of night when you really want him to come good because he's the best player, and, and he nearly did a couple of times in the first half. He there were a couple all, of it moments. It was all nearly, wasn't it? it was all yeah, nearly, exactly, so. exactly. And you know, obviously, like his production's been off. I mean, talk about Ander Herrera being good against Fulham. Pogba was unbelievable against Fulham. Oh, he, he was, was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like best player in the league status in yes. that game. I mean, I know that's it's, you can't judge that on how they play against Fulham, but you know, I'm sure KDB or whatever looks very good against Fulham. Um, uh-huh. But you know, it, it's he was absolutely spectacular in that game, and he definitely wasn't like it wasn't like a bottle job or anything against PSG. I think he got pretty frustrated, and you yes, because we put haven't two even two men on uh, him. I mean, Marquinhos, you know, came off the pitch smelling of him. Because he Can was we so just... close to him, and 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 they also had another man around him all the time, so it gave him no space to play. And United didn't have enough good ball to give him the opportunities further up the pitch. I'd just like to congratulate both of us on getting to the approximately twenty-five minute mark in this podcast before mentioning the referee against PSG. Yeah, yeah. Oh my I mean, goodness. it was really frustrating. Obviously, gave away a lot of cheap yellow cards earlier in early in the game, which which um, I think you correctly observed on the WhatsApp group. Uh, there's no way this is finishing eleven v eleven. Yeah, it just it felt very much like that, didn't it? I mean, Pop was been pretty stupid i think a really cheap first yellow card and then the second yellow card is mistimed i mean if you slow it down and and do a still there's a few journos and uh non-united players or and uh, sorry non-united fans or um the few flat earthers that are still around that hate him <laughs> uh were doing to try and suggest that he he took the player out halfway off his shin then yeah fine um but it wasn't that it was a mistimed tackle um but the 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 frust- the real frustration was Kimpembre having been booked committed two really cynical fouls one pulling back Rashford which would get you get you booked all the time I mean, all the time, and the referee bottled it and didn't didn't show a red. And it's perfectly justified in showing Pogba a red if you're going to then uh, show show yellows and reds for similar crimes, right? Perfectly yeah. justified in in sending off Pogba if you're going to do it for everyone else, and he didn't. And the bloody player went and scored. Of course he did. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the other things that feels like Fergie ninety five to ninety seven in the European Cup, doesn't it? You know, that kind of thing seemed to happen all the time. You know, they bought and actually one of the things that Oli talked about in his post match press conference was experience, but specifically he said they bought a lot of cheap fouls, and we didn't yeah. know how to do that. Yeah, so. I, I was thinking that actually. Watch it. That's funny that he said that because this is something that I'd thought as well. Watching the game is like we are not playing them at their own game enough. Because no. there was right one from... occasion where Lingard got hacked down in the in the corner, attacking corner, down the left, and he kept on his feet. I was like, go down, yeah. down. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And and especially when you know this is just classic. You can't in the Premier League. None of those are yellow, like half the yellow cards in that game aren't anywhere near yellow cards. Not like the Premier League is what it was in 1995, but you know, still now that was it was really just like we weren't, we didn't play the game, we basically weren't playing by the rules that were being applied in that game. We were playing by a kind of different set of rules, and I, I did think inexperience was kind of a factor in that. The um, the Kimpembe goal, you'd kind of spoken a number of times, let's say euphemistically, on WhatsApp about uh, how Kimpembe possibly should have maybe not been on the pitch by that point, and he peeled off Matic. And I was like, this is the perfect Ed agenda goal. This is Kimpembe scored it, and it was Matic that he exploited. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if I can criticise Matic too much for not no. picking up someone at the corner. I don't know whether he should be marking that player at the corner, really. Um, no. But um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, just goes to show like everything that could go wrong with that game did go wrong. So the yeah. injuries uh, and, you know, my opinion, not quite making the right substitutions, um, the sending off. And, and so, you know, it, it added up to one of those really miserable um, European nights that we were used to many years ago. You know, I guess we've been used to them. For we would have been more used to them over the last five years if we'd bloody like, qualified for the European Cup as often. The um, the one of the things that I I thought about um, was that 
you know, even the substitutions, it is a really difficult hand to be dealt to have to replace Lingard and Martial uh-huh. at the same time at half time in that game. And so I don't I'm maybe if this was Mourinho, I'd be like ranting and raving about what an idiot he is for these substitutions. And that, that I acknowledge that there's some probably some likability bias here, but I feel like they are completely understandable mistakes. Albeit yeah. they are they are, I think, whichever way round you you slice it, one of them two should have been Lukaku. But the thing is, even saying that though, of course, we are really only then talking about tactics because Lukaku's been absolutely bobbins. Like yeah, yeah. he played against he played against Fulham, right? I think he played from the start, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And like, I was there, I was at this game, and I can't remember where Lukaku started. Like that's mm. how kind of well, I actually don't was. think it's a it's too bad, bad a tactic if we wanted to get playing back into form to play him on the wing at all. No, I mean, no, no, no. I don't think that's I a think bad tactic. I think you do a pretty good job there, actually. Yeah. So. But, I mean, he could maybe, like, maybe he could do a pretty good job there. Sometimes yeah. he does. Well, one of the he... other things, I mean, we, talk, we talked about the substitution impacting United's attacking output. It also impacted their defensive output because, you know, mm. from what, from 10 seconds into the game, you could see that uh, pressing high up the pitch was really important, putting very yeah. good players under pressure. That dropped off hugely after the second half. I mean, look at the passes per defensive action data. Sorry, it's really nerdy. Um, that... I should never have told you about Scout. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, well, no, they only have part of the uh, data there. Um, I, okay. I did look it up there elsewhere, though. Um, okay. uh, and, yeah, so, you know, basically PSG are allowed a lot of passes uh, per attempt to intercept or tackle. Um, yeah. After 45 minutes, and uh, you know that just wouldn't have been part of the game plan. It's one of the great things about Oli's uh, revolution is that he's got United actually pressing and putting the yeah. opponents under pressure because it definitely wasn't happening before December. No, and it's made such a huge difference. It's one of the reasons we're fun to watch. I mean, it was like the it was the story of the game against Fulham in a lot of ways. It was just every time they tried to get the ball out. We were on him. Like it, it was Luke Shaw or Ander Herrera seemed to break up almost every attempt at a counter-attack. And, and against PSG, this is not something I said on the preview here, but it's something I've said to a few people ahead of the game was one of the absolute keys is we have to let, like this is football cliche in a way, we have to let PSG know they're in a game. And I don't mean by like putting two footers in. I mean by pressing high, by being aggressive, by demonstrating a high level of skill and ability because they're just not used to playing against good teams. Mm. So you've got to show well, it them. Wouldn't have kick him a bit as well. You know. Well, it would because the referee wouldn't. You couldn't like we would. You're never going to get away with it. Like no, he, the referee clearly was not the kind of ref where that was going to be possible. So, but but I've and and you, you've got to let these foreign types know that you know that you're there. <laughs> Good old British action. But but I don't mean it in a British way. I mean it in the sense that because PSG play bang average teams all the time. I know time, what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, no, they're almost never under any kind of pressure. And they lost to Leon the other week because they, they you know, played a weird back three system. And, and funnily enough, the kind of weird back three system they played against us. But yeah. um, uh, and uh, and had a really off day. But there you go. And anyway, you know, uh, are you got any hope for the second leg? I mean, I think I would have, like, a little fragment of hope if Pogba hadn't been sent off. But I think without Pogba, that is... A massive, massive ask. Uh, it was annoying. Fred coming Angel... in or uh, <laughs> former manager's player of the year? McTominay. Um, the, uh, the, one of the annoying things was how good Angel Di Maria was in that game. It was incredibly predictable. Because um, Angel Di Maria was really good. And uh, United fans don't seem to want to acknowledge that very often. But it's clearly, clearly the case. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if he'd left and said, sorry, didn't work out and went to PSG and kept his mouth shut, then he wouldn't have been jeered quite so much, you know? Just, there's been plenty of bad United players who've gone away to another team and didn't get booed. Phil Neville never got booed, you know? I, I know, but he, he... Howard never got booed. There's tons of them. And he didn't, it wasn't, he didn't get booed because he was bad at United. He got booed because of complaining about being treated poorly. And yes, being really no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Exactly know, that. Yeah, but... Yeah. Yeah, but that's dumb because he was treated badly by an idiot, by an egomaniacal nightmare who, you know, treated him like dirt. Like, it probably shouldn't have extended that to the whole club. And he definitely, I think probably if he hadn't, like, walked off, the, like, 
not turned up for pre-season training. But also, Van Gaal massively threw him under the bus. Like that's Van Gaal succeeded with Di Maria where Mourinho failed with Pogba. Yeah, um, that is also true. Uh, all right, so we're out of the European Cup. At least we've got the uh, the uh, Premier League uh, top four chase to look forward to in very Arsenal we're style. Fourth. We're fourth. We're fourth. That's unbelievable. I can't believe that City beat Chelsea by so much that we've got better goal difference. <laughs> I know. Um, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Actually, I mean, given that uh, Chelsea, had, well, along with Arsenal, are very much in this race for fourth uh, and looking at the fixture list, uh, who do we play at Old Trafford on April 27th? Uh, two games from the end at Huddersfield and Cardiff to close out the season. They're guaranteed six pointers, um, six points. Uh, but Chelsea, that's going to be a tasty game, perhaps. Um, God, it's so Arsenal. It's really depressing, but we're, we're on the we're on the we're on the climb back up to actually fighting for things that matter, not fourth place. <laughs> yeah. uh, before that, Chelsea again in the FA Cup, which is going to be a bit tasty too. Should we do some Twitter questions and then preview that game? Okay, let's take some questions. Alex Dixon, friend of the show. Why do you think our fans only seem to be able to operate in extremes? One poor game and the wheels are off the Ollie train, but likewise, a month of positive performances and he's greatest manager since Ferguson. Love Ollie, but the rhetoric around him at the moment. Dot, dot, dot. It's not a question, Alex, but uh, what do you think about this? I mean, the first, could... the first part was specifically a question. It says, why do you think our fans something? You know. Only seem to be able to operate in extremes. Well, I think we're fairly reasonable on this show. Although you you did fully dive into the uh, onto the Oli Van Wagen quite quickly. Yeah, I'm still I'm still firmly on board and happy to be so. But it's not because I think he's the greatest manager of all time. I think it's because well, it's for a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, I think that this is a 21st century society problem. I don't think this is a Manchester United fan problem. I think. Um, every community that has a large online presence is like this. I also think get off the internet and interact with actual humans and you'll find it's not quite so they much are like hu- They are humans on the internet. They are humans. No, but they're, they're humans through a filter. They're, they're, you know, the, of course, there's plenty of react- reactivity in uh, the real world, but it's massively amplified through... Of course, yeah. Um, media. Richard Fogg. Uh, I, yeah, he's a friend of the show. Doesn't often write in, but uh, friend, friend, actual friend, real person. See, I know this person <laughs> in actual real life. He uh, he listens with his nine-year-olds. So he doesn't like it when I swear. So, or, or more, more to the point, it's okay when I swear. It's not okay when Tom doesn't bleep out the. Anyway, sorry. Why did it have to end? Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? It's a real shame. That was the interesting thing about that game was like being super sad after a United loss, but not because you just hated the team and couldn't see when any joy would come again, yeah. but because because you had some hope and it didn't work out. No, that's, that's right. Kind I think of a, one to put into the perspective bucket, that one. Yeah, for sure. And, and the reason it had to end is because it definitely, because as George Harrison once said, all things must pass. They must. They must. Except uh, all things mustn't pass uh, when it comes to the United team because they're pretty dreadful at that uh, against PSG. Anyway, Harry Riddick says, on a scale of Falcao to Liam Neeson, how finishes oh, Alexis Sanchez? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I can't um, believe you picked that question. Uh, are, are you suggesting that we all run around with a bat waiting to bash Alexis Sanchez? I mean, he couldn't be any worse, could he? I don't really feel Should, comfortable Shall we have making... a whole conversation about Liam Neeson? Uh, interestingly, there is a football-related um, angle to this because John Barnes came out and very eloquently defended Liam Neeson, which was uh, interesting, I thought. Yeah. Um, Alexis anyway, Sanchez he, he's is finished, finished and banned. He's done. He's done. Uh, w- I, wouldn't it be nice if someone actually kidnapped Alexis Sanchez so Liam Neeson could go off and try and find him <laughs> and we could just get the insurance and spend it on a decent player? <laughs> Uh, it's such a I mean I saw somebody say something it might have been an email actually um, that I got which was like um, 
what happened to the Alexis we thought we were getting from Arsenal or something? It's like, did we really think that? Did I mean, what we were hoping was no. that Alexis's last six months at Arsenal were no. because he wanted to move. I, but, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite sure we had this debate. Yeah, about so how good or bad Alexis was going to be, but yeah. I mean, I spent weeks saying I really, really hope we don't sign him, and then I got really excited when we did. Um, because because I'm fickle, um, but uh, also this is not in the least bit surprising. He's Rooneyed. That's literally yeah. on the the scale of how finished he is is precisely Wayne Rooney 2015. Oh, That's yeah. exactly yeah. how finished he Interesting is. Interesting how Rooney's become a verb, uh, and not in a good way. But there you go. Uh, on a similar theme, on a scale of one to ten, how much better is Bebe than Sanchez? That's that's Chris Smith, and that's harsh, harsh. <laughs> Coming back to a previous theme, Noah Horner says, "Did Di Maria really deserve all that abuse?" No, like absolutely not. I don't think sour grapes is the right thing because he was booed before PSG beat us. Um, I don't think he deserved all that abuse, but I don't think he'd have got it if he hadn't been quite so vocal or seemingly vocal. You know, he's probably asked about it an awful lot. Anyway, he's got a real question. Also, speaking of your likely flops that are doing well, would you take back Memphis? I mean... Uh, there is an option, isn't there? I, apparently not. Like, apparently, no, no, I thought there was. No, apparently when you move to a French side, it's literally against French contract law to have a buyback clause in, in the thing. Um, apparently. I'm not, not an expert on French Everyone reported or, there was an option at the time. So Yeah, yeah um, and then there was this whole like batch of counter-reporting saying, well, they can't be. Um, so, I don't know. And it's a difficult question because the problem is, I would if he wanted to play wide right all the time, but he doesn't, does he? So yeah. I, I think I genuinely think kind of peak Memphis would be a brilliant option for us wide right right now. Yeah, I think not. And as we discussed in our bonus content in a couple of weeks, or sort of, I've actually, if you're interested, Paul, in our Weisgate account, mm-hmm. uh, I've put a bunch of players that I'm kind of interested in there. <laughs> We've entered a new level of nerdery on this podcast. Yeah, and yeah. I am very, very here for it. I just want to yeah, make that so clear. Just like, I'm just, here for it. I'm picking that batch right now. Okay. As players, I think, who will be good. Let's follow them. See, Great. see that's right or not. Awesome. Oh, we should definitely do some sort of content around this. Mika Latonen, friend of the show, says, How impressive was Ollie's post-PSG reaction compared to Jose's antics? No whining, no moaning, nobody's thrown on the bus, composure, determination. We're Manchester United and we always bounce back. How does he keep <laughs> wait, saying wait, did, perfect things? He did, did, did say that. Did like say that we're Manchester United? <laughs> what? That's, wow, I can't believe it. Um, uh, I heard that he said something mean about Sanchez. Is that true? I don't remember hearing that at all, no. Okay, right, fair I, enough. I might have missed that bit. Anyway, I thought he was very composed, very determined, um, said the right things in terms of, look, it's a, he said it's a tough mountain to climb, uh, but we're going to give it a shot, and if we're one nil up at half time, I'll believe that we can do it. Um, he he did say it's a bit of a cliche. We'll always bounce back. Mm. <laughs> Not sure I like that one, but I kind of get it in this in in these circumstances. He said a lot of very good things about learning from this. Uh, he talked yeah. about inexperience, you know, and that's true of some players. Um, almost, and, almost all almost all the team. Well, I don't know. If that's true. <laughs> I really don't. Um, we can count it. David Hay has played forty European Cup games. Uh, no, no, no. We're not. We're not talking about European Cup games. We're talking about uh, comparable experiences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We should go through the PSG side and see how many they've got. Anyway, he talked about that, and um, uh, I, yeah, he was. He said the right things, but uh, we wouldn't expect anything else from him, would we? No, no. I mean, he's he's. Uh, You know, in the non-trivial skill of being a good public face for Manchester United that the fans can care about and engage with, who might actually say some of the things we want to hear because he genuinely believes it from the tippy of his toes to the toppy of his hair. Like, he's great. He's absolutely great at that. And, and you know, it is a huge part of his appeal. And so it should be. It's not cheap PR if you really mean it. Yeah. Other than Young smashing Di Maria into the rails, says unsullied, rather sullied by this question, although I, I, I do approve, <laughs> what other positives can we take from last night's game? Well, there's a bit of experience, you know, there's yep. can learn from that, I, I hope. 
um, I guess. Um, we certainly got clarity about where United's weaknesses are. We, I think we knew already, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. But they were ruthlessly exposed. I mean, you know, br- I, brutally I to, exposed last night. I'm, I meant to say this earlier. You know, you can tell what PSG make of the debate between like which side of United's defense is weaker by which one they targeted. Like it was relentless that targeting of the. Oh of, yeah. Of yeah, them, yeah. You know. Um. But the 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 main positive about that for me was uh, there were a few actually, and the Herrera's performance. Um. I thought the central defenders did all right in diff- in really difficult circumstances without a lot of protection either in front of them or on one yeah. side of them against I mean I don't think you could blame them for Mbappe's goal really I mean he ran through the middle of them but it was you know he can't, he's God, he's just moving so quickly isn't he Every, everyone that I've spoken to who was at the game was just like seeing him run fast in person he's just insanely quick um so yeah that's he's obviously it's difficult circumstances and they did all right um Herrera was good and and we were a little bit of composure and execution away from really getting at them in the first half I thought you know and and that is quite significant given that when the draw was made I mean listen listen right I I we try try not to go too hard on the Mourinho stuff but the comparison if assuming we go out in Paris the comparison between losing to PSG in the manner that we have this season and losing to Sevilla in the manner that we did last season, it's just completely night and day. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I wouldn't try and draw an equivalence between those two. Uh, yeah, com- completely different. Uh, plus, Di Marie was smashed into the rails. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was quite funny because he made so much of it until you realised that uh, the ref wasn't sending Young off and he got straight back up and ran around again. So, yeah, he was... uh, How many £100 million pound player signings are we away from competing at Europe's top table, says Luis Figo. And look, you know, I think we're... We're clearly competitive in the Premier League once again. Beating Arsenal and Tottenham away says you're competitive. I think we are four, maybe five, good, very good signings away from a shot at the title. Um, but and the shot at the title in in the Premier League means you're going to be very competitive in in uh, European football as well. You know, and I don't think they all have to be a hundred million pound signings. No, and I, I think that that's. I think we are uh, some some really heavy coaching away as well. You know, that's the that's the other thing, isn't it? It's not just signings; it's signings and coaching. And also, you know, we 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 keep talking about the players we need, but Solskjaer is going to look to the academy, and he should, and we should be, you know, talking about like, okay, well, what about you know Ethan Laird at left back? And I'm 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 not pretending to be an expert on these these young players because I don't watch them that much. I'm. I'm basing my opinions on on the people I know that do watch them a lot, but you know there is there is it's not just about buying expensive players. It's also about bringing through the right academy products in the right way. Mm. The Social Appreciation Society uh, that James Boy says, do we give three or four four youth players a chance in Paris? I, I don't think mm. so. That feels that feels self destructing, destructive, self defeating. Yeah. Destructive, one one of those things. Anyway, uh, like this isn't over yet. I mean, plenty of teams. Not it's it's very small chance, but plenty of teams come back from two nil down to win three two. Not many have done it away from home in the Champions League. Not many have done it uh, at a team as high quality uh, as uh, Paris Saint Germain. But there's still hope. Yeah, absolutely. While there's life, there's hope. Jason Gospel says, uh, did Tuchel crack the Oli Press? Can uh, what PSG did to neutralise Pogba be used by Chelsea or Liverpool City in our upcoming games? Well, I don't think um, Tuchel cracked the Oli Press because United were pretty relentless with it in the first half. They just didn't have the players to do it in the second half because Alexis is ruined and Mata, uh, well, you know, uh, I think there are grannies who can run faster than one Mata. He's never going to press anyone, is he? So I, I don't buy that. Second bit... I mean, they put two players, they put one man marker and one always in the zone around Pogba. Um, I don't think Chelsea or Liverpool or City are going to do that anywhere near. And by the way, um, the only reason that they got away with that to the extent that they did was because of the changes in the second half. Because in the first half, Pogba was not nullified. Like Pogba, there was the one where he broke down the right-hand side and got into the box and uh, he flashed it across the box rather than cutting it slightly back. Um, and that was just completely devastating movement and and positioning from Pogba. So yeah. you know, that, yeah, and I think even if uh, Paris Saint Germain had, had, had 
become dominant in the second half without those injuries, United would have been dangerous on the counter. Um, for sure, and and Pogba would have been, played an important role in that. Uh, Will Robinson says, uh, uh, "Will Robinson, you know, as in as in uh, lost in space, Will Robinson. I hope you're doing well out there, mate. Uh, when, if at all, this season will having will having Chong Greenwood Gomez on the bench over Alexis Sanchez simply become a case of naming our best available eighteen? It already is. It yeah. already is. There's no. There's no. I mean, Gomez couldn't be any worse than Alexis down the left. Greenwood's played almost exclusively through the middle um, this season, but he can certainly play anywhere across the front line. Um, Chong, Chong. I mean, it's definitely more right sided, uh, but we've got. You know, we haven't got too many plays there either. Alexis Sanchez is bobbins. Like he's, <laughs> he's just. He's just. We start gri- with him for another three years, aren't we? It's mad. I mean, there's no. We've, we have got to pay half his wages and send him somewhere. Like, it's... it's You're better off. You're just better I off. I think that's a championship manager clause. We want him out. We have to pay the whole thing off. It's like... Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, we get some money from someone... You know, he'd be great in MLS. Look at Wayne Rooney. Yeah, they're not going to pay the fees, though. It's going to have no, to but... be a freebie. And, oh. um, you might get a fee from China. I mean, and in fact, I think on those wages, you're not going to get a fee at all. So... And I don't. Who, we don't. We didn't pay a fee. No. Just get him off the wage well, bill. Get him we off did. the wage we, bill. We, we we paid a thirty million pound player. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. I mean, thirty million pound player is a very very flattering description, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very technical description. <laughs> yeah. Luke Carroll says, "How do you feel about the succession of contract renewals for underwhelming players?" Yeah, yeah I was uh, just going to say ten year contract coming up. Young just... Jones and Smalling. I was just going to say, um, obviously, this morning when we talked about ages ago, um, but I'm pretty sure we didn't. You, you earlier clearly didn't hadn't spotted that Young had had a, a year extension, and um, I don't think we've talked about Phil Jones's extension. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they should have pulled the trigger on letting either Jones or Smalling's contract run out um, because you're, you're never going to get any money for either of them, and and so what's going to happen is they're going to be I, at the club I don't now. know that's true. I think um, um, you know a upper mid-table Premier Smalling, League side yeah. would pay for either of these guys. So. Oh, God, if, if only. I mean, if we can get rid of one of them. Maybe, maybe not on these wages, better. though. That's, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting. To, I wonder whether either of them got a pay rise or much of a pay rise. I think Young I think Young is a completely reasonable one-year extension. I think he'll play a lot of games next season, and that's OK, because so long as you're playing them in the games where we can play to his strengths. He's been very good at periods mm. this season, you know. He's... He, he's just not. He's he's very inconsistent, and he's a complete liability at the top level most of the time, except for the weird times when he isn't. It's a weird player, Ashley Young. A really weird player because you know, completely negated Mo Salah last season, mm. almost single-handedly. Second part of that question was uh, how much of a say do you think Oli had in these? Uh, not much, I would say. I mean, you know, cursory. I think this is mostly about asset protection. Although clearly he's had to say in getting rid of Fellaini and binning, and binning Valencia. That's what I was going to say about the the thing because like there's no way Fellaini was going this January if Mourinho was in charge. So that's like clearly a kind of manager and club in lockstep. So I I wonder if I don't I would I'd be surprised if. That that Woodward hasn't said. Look, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? I, I'm sure he would have taken Ollie's. He would have sounded Ollie out about it. Yeah, but yeah, in the end, they're they're not going to lose an asset. How much would would a woodchucker have to chuck to chuck Sanchez out of the door? Says uh, Taylor Ben. Uh, sadly, lots. Uh, Sanchez and Fred. Uh, were Sanchez and Fred bought so Siki can't have them? No, they were bought for the champ. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, the only good they've done. Isn't it mad is, that Isn't Mbappe the fastest living creature on the planet, says Jake Ulrich? He might this be. Is, this is like the best chant that United have had for years and years and years and certainly the most beloved and kind of like um, the chant that's caught on the most for years and years and years. And it references Alexis Sanchez and Fred. Like that, that just I know, does not make I know. any sense. Josh says, matter, stick or twist, so talking about contracts. Yeah, hard one this because, I mean, to replace him as a kind of creative player is going to take an awful lot of money. Awful lot of money. Uh, but what role is he playing in, in this particular setup? I mean, we don't know how the manager, if it's not Ollie and it's someone else, we don't know how they'll set up. Um, matter 
isn't he was pretty bad in the second half. He's not always bad, though. You know, he's still got something to offer. So is it a one year contract? Is it a two year contract? What the kind of wages? How much do you have to pay to get in a replacement? It's a really good question and, and, and I do think the manager thing is huge because obviously there's just not a natural position for him in the way that Solskjaer wants to play. But if Pochettino got the Spurs game on in the background here and, you know, Christian Eriksen isn't exactly rapid, is he? Um, and he plays every week for for Spurs and I wonder what matter would be like under Pochettino. Yeah. All right, we better we better come to a close because uh, we're running up to the hour. Final question, Stephen Lebrecht says... Pep, Klopp, Mourinho, who d- marry or kill? <laughs> I'm not doing that question. Um, so, the Chelsea just, preview... Just no fun. Just no fun at all. <laughs> the Chelsea preview... Um... I'm killing Mourinho, though. <laughs> Obviously. I'm going to marry Pep, because he's... No, that means I've got to Klopp and I'd feel yeah. dirty. I'd feel no, really I... dirty. I think there is actually a right answer to this question, but I do not want to engage with it. Um... Go on, then. Come on, what's the right answer? No, Chelsea... Go on, go on. So... So, so you're going to agree with the uh, the murdering Mourinho, um, I reckon. Uh, no, I'm, I'm looking in. I'm, think, like, I'm looking in your eyes. I'm I don't think that's the right answer. No, I don't. I think if you think about it, it's you're pretty kill clear. You can't kill Pep. No, uh, I can't. You've just like that's it now. Oh, you, okay. So I've worked uh, it out. So you're logical kill deduction. Klopp. Yeah, you can't marry Mourinho. God, that would be no a misery. So you're marrying Pep, and you're <laughs> Mourinho. No, but I, no, I just I want to want to make it clear that the sentence that you just said is so inaccurate on so many levels. <laughs> um, but I think within the parameters of that game, uh, I think that's the right answer. Anyway, um, I'm glad I bullied you into that one. Let, let's move on, shall we? You you got to marry Pep. That's the key thing. Because although God, that'd be a flipping nightmare. He's so off his rocker. Like he's I, bet it, just, I bet his house is absolutely spotless. <laughs> he's just the most intense man. Um, that game, we, we're now talking of Pep. He, they've just beaten Chelsea six. Have Chelsea played again since then? I don't think. No, that was no. after the Fulham game, wasn't it? Um, unbelievable result. And Chelsea are completely rubbish. And I, I'm very reluctant to say this. I, I don't like saying what I'm about to say. But I'm going to be really surprised if they get it together against us because they look... I mean, the one, it was one of those situations where you just like watch it going, my goodness, I hope they don't sell Sarri before we play him. Sack Sarri before we play Yeah, him. no, I know. And they could get a real... They they do look a real mess and they, they clearly haven't taken to Sarri ball. I mean, it, looked, it didn't look that way earlier in the season, did it? And, mm. and, they, do, and they do, from time to time, bounce back and get good results. You know, this is, it's not like they're getting smashed every week, although they have taken a couple of big smashings recently. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, that was just totally shocking, that game. I mean, obviously City were 2-0 up or 3-0 up in about five minutes, yeah. which, which obviously kind of ruined the game. And then they were allowed to just go and enjoy their football. And I, I don't suppose there's a, a team... Uh, on the planet and certainly not in England that's going to be so dominant from that kind of position. Um, uh, and, and Chelsea players just didn't have the heart for, for trying to make a fist of it after that, you know, and, and Sarri is not translating well to them. So they are a mess. That said, it is at Sanford Bridge and they seem to beat us there an awful lot. And Chelsea fans will definitely be up for it. And we do seem to, stimulate good performances in that team don't we so i'm i'm not feeling awfully confident about it especially of course because it looks like martial and lingard will definitely be out of the game yeah that's huge really um i mean i'd rather that from the off against chelsea than halfway through psg yeah for so sure you can yeah. think about it for a week i mean chelsea have what what can we say about the chelsea conversation that everyone isn't saying what on earth is he doing with Kante? Why is he so stubborn? You know, they've got Higuain now, which makes a big difference, I think. Um, up front, you know, you talked not about data. City, it didn't. No, but you're talking about the data not telling the story of Fulham um, against United. And the data doesn't tell the story of City against Chelsea either, does it? There was like a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of like really similar stats um, in that game, which is was super duper weird. Um, but the XG kind of does, given that City... Scoring six, generating four XG. This is I've done never known a team who, whenever they get a big result, you look at the XG, go, no, have they 
have they got lucky? And it's like, no, they generated massive amounts of amazing chances and scored loads of goals. I mean, their default goal is tippy-tappy, tippy-tappy, low ball across the six-yard area, score from two yards out. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's um, I mean, Chelsea were a mess in terms of how they're set up in midfield at the moment. They've got Giorgino, who you um, get, garnered lots of good press earlier in the season when he was you know, like making 180 passes a game or something. Yeah, uh, but people have found him out. Um, put pressure on him, and he doesn't make 180 passes a game, and they're definitely not incisive passes. And then ahead of him, you've got Ross Barkley, who I think is uh, people had much hope for him when he was 18, and he he hasn't progressed enough, and he's not mature enough of a player. He doesn't. He it's by no means a guarantee that Barkley will play because no, it's, it's between. No, no, Barkley. but he did. He did against City though. So, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And and then Kante in this sort of more forward role when he's like one of the best defensive midfielders on the planet. Imagine if we could get them to swap us their main defensive midfielder again because they the new manager doesn't fancy him. Now, now there's forty million I would spend. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. But they'll probably do it in six years' time, and Edward Wood will take him with glee. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, imagine Kovacic will come into the team rather than Barkley. But apart from that, they're going to set up the same way in midfield. I am, I would imagine. The, I mean, you know, you know when Mourinho put um, Herrera on Hazard, he's mm-hmm. got to put Herrera on Jorginho in this game. Oh just yeah, sit Herrera right on top of him. And... Or Lingard, or Lingard, just put him under pressure. Oh, yeah. oh Lingard's gonna be injured, so he can't. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and I sort of rather it was Herrera anyway because we don't have to sacrifice one of our attackers for it because they've got so. I mean, they've got Eden Hazard. That's like they. I mean, obviously, like Pedro and William, neither of them are terrible, but basically, R- remember the time that Jose Mourinho wanted to sell Martial? I've mentioned his name again, and by William. The um the remember Iguain, that one. Iguain obviously means that they're not completely devoid of attacking capacity in the way outside of Hazard in the way they were when Morata was playing um, in the form he was in. Um, but but I think I'd, that's why I'd kind of rather put Herrera on Jorginho than Lingard, just because I think we can have a spare man and attack that way. Mm. It's going to be interesting. So what's the lineup going to be? United I mean, I think- or Chelsea? United, because I think it picked itself against PSG and I don't think it does this time. No, I mean, um, Romero, because he's the cup keeper. So, oh, Oli yeah. has said. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interesting to see if he, he wants to do that again. But I, I, he I will, suspect I mean, he will, he did, yeah. He did it at Arsenal away. Why would you do it mm-hmm. at Arsenal away and not Chelsea away? I know, just, just, to, just to, you know, give yourself the best chance of bouncing back. But no, I think it'll be Romero. Yeah. Um, and then Young, well, he's just so destroyed. So I, I would be really surprised if he plays again. He needs a rest. Um, although it would... Eh. Uh, does he, though? Because it's Monday there, night. It's Monday night and there's a gap to Liverpool on the 24th and there's an even bigger gap to Paracentia Man. So, yeah, maybe... maybe. I mean, there's two, maybe two games plays, in between... Li- there's two games in between Liverpool and Paracentia Man, of course. A little off plays of... For sure, and then yeah. Bay did all right. I don't see the yeah. reason to drop him now. I, no. I think uh, it'd be nice to see a longer term partnership with those two to see if it, it is good enough. Agreed. Uh, and then, and then Shaw in midfield. Well, Pogba plays for sure. Um, I think it's Herrera Matic Pogba. I think that's yeah. It is. It's always Herrera Matic Pogba. I'd like to see uh, someone try something other than Matic, but. But matches, but that's like mostly just based on PSG, right? I mean, I know you've. Well, to be fair, sorry, you're hating. No, Chelsea. Chelsea average possession is about fifty-eight percent, so they they are going to have a a a lot of possession in this game, uh, just because of the way they play under Sarri. Uh, They 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 almost had it fifty-fifty against City, even though they got smashed. 6-0. 6-0. Yeah, so that's true. They're going to have a lot of ball and and United are going to try and break from deep areas. Uh, and Matic is is going to have to do the screening. So, he, But Matic is good in the counter-attacking situations in terms he, of releasing he, that first ball. He is. He is there. He is on the on the offensive side for sure. Um, so anyway, it is at midfield three. And I, I suspect Lukaku will come back into the team and that means... Um, he probably won't play wide, and it's probably going to be Rashford playing wide in the one and wide left or wide right, maybe wide nah. left, and Mata comes in. So. Nah, he's gonna play. He's gonna play Lukaku right, Rashford through the middle. I mean, it may, maybe you're right, and he plays Mata on the right. And if he plays Mata on the right, he's playing Lukaku in the middle and Rashford left. 
but yeah. we'll see. Oh, I yeah, prefer him to play him, uh, right, uh, Lukaku on the right, obviously. And he yeah, but that good, means he did a that, good job against uh, where who Leicester. That means Alexis Sanchez. It does, and that is not a name that we want to be seeing on the no team sheets. I'll tell you what, if he picks one of the kids, I'll be over the moon for this. Play, like play. Um, Give Angel Gomez the. Yeah, play Gomez. Well, or someone. he might play, but he could play Pereira. I mean, obviously Pereira's last outing was horrendous. Yeah, but he won't play in that position, presumably. No, a wide left would be fine for Pereira. Yeah, he'd do a good job. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Big, big, di- big dilemma because the the obvious choice is Sanchez, but that's that's the kind of nightmare scenario, really. Yeah. So you're not that optimistic about this game. No, I'm not hugely optimistic. I mean, although, why not? Why not? I mean, you know, I'm like, I, okay, let, let me rephrase that. I am not, this is easy, we're going to smash him. Uh, right. Optimistic. Um, okay. I'm not, uh, I'm worried we'll get smashed. Pessimistic. <laughs> and the game plan should play out. I mean, I imagine that Chelsea will have a lot of the ball. Um, I, I wonder if there'll be some interesting tactical innovations. Maybe it's pushing Herrera forward to put pressure on Jorginho to stop the um, to stop the, the the flow of passes. I mean, you know, five hundred odd passes against City, losing six nil, um, and it's always Jorginho that starts it. That is a way to get at them. Uh, what do they do about Eden Hazard? That's an interesting one. Um, now he's playing wide left and has a fall in Higuain. He's he's dangerous. Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. no doubt. Um, but we've got danger people too. Rashford and Pogba will be able to link up again as they've done time and time and time recently. Um, but Martial's a big miss, obviously. And having Martial and Lingard both out is a, bit, is a problem. Just cause, but if somehow Alexis hat trick is coming. Yeah, if somehow we can get Lukaku right, Rashford through the middle and and other on left wing, I'll be happy. All right, I'm going to go with a 2-1 win to Man United for no reason. 1-all. Are there replays in the Cup this year? Uh, I, they did away with one of the rounds worth of replays. It might be the fifth round. Penalties. Yeah, and we go through on penalties, thanks to Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I think is going to happen. All right, um, thanks, listeners. We'll be back next week.